welcome again, everybody. If you kind of came in late with your kids, and this Jeff and Ben were the co-lead pastors that were in Covenant, and we're stoked to be here. Thank you, Alicia. Appreciate you. that so much. And, um, and we get to do something fun, Ben. We get to co-preach. So fun. This is so fun to do because we actually don't spend too much time, like, talking about it so that we make sure. So we'll just see if, you know, it jives well What's enough. the rough draft? The one that's being recorded it's next It literally hour, so still we'll... says rough draft in our Google Doc. So... We'll see how this goes, but um, today is all about, as you could tell from this time on the sofa, this is about us wanting just to share our hearts with you. This is about us saying, gosh, as we kick off the fall, we were like, well, what should we, we know what we're going to preach on this fall season, and we go, well, what do we do together here at this time? We go, well, let's, I just want to talk to them and share our hearts with them. There it is. There's the title of our sermon. (laughs) This is our heart for you. I got a story to tell you. I was just... um, Two nights ago, I was at a wedding, a small family and friends gathering with uh, somebody that got married in our church. And there was a little group of people from our church that was at that wedding. And this was the story that reminded me of you guys, that um, we're sitting there together and I'm chatting with a few people from our church. And, and all of a sudden, one of them walks over. Well, it's Jackie, Jackie uh, uh, Howard. And she walks over and she walks over and, and sh- there was a guy, she had run into a, a, a man that came s- to the wedding by himself. And she walks over and everybody's like, oh, because we were all standing there. And she, this is literally what she said, these words. She said, uh, everybody, this is Tom. Uh, he, he came alone to the wedding. And Tom, these are my people. Isn't that a what? Like, and I just, there was, some, there was this wave that washed over me as I was thinking about all week, you know, sharing my heart with you. I'm like, oh my gosh, of course that's what Jackie did. Because that's what people in our church do. Like, that's who you guys are. And we hear that over and over and over again, that when you encounter people, when you invite people, when you go, people, this is, these are my people. This is a place where it's safe to come and to seek God and to find him. And you combine that with the spirit dwelling in this room, being people of worship, God moves in people's lives. And I know you probably have a testimony of that, that experience in this place. I just want to start this morning by affirming we love your authenticity. We love how genuine you are in your, your strengths and your foibles and your journey and your imperfection. We love how you are passionate about pursuing God with your heart. And we love that that is just fragrant because it's real and it's welcoming. And thank you for that. And that's who we are. And that's what we want more of this year. Yeah, it's so fun thinking about who we are as a church. And it was when Jeff had this idea, which is so great, because I'm like, we got to tell you the strategy, and this is what we're going to do after this whole year. And Jeff's like, let's just share our hearts. And uh, what's interesting is our hearts are this incredible mixture of genuine um, awe, of getting to be connected to God, to love God, to walk with God, and then to walk with God with our church. Like, our church is full of people who are working out their faith. We're not perfect people, uh, but we are people who are trying to figure out what it means to do this walk of faith. And that story that Jeff shared, I mean, there's a million of those stories. And we think about, and when we think about what is our heart, it's funny, our heart is actually where our heart's been for our entire time as we've been pastors yeah. here at the church, which is this state, vision statement that's been on the wall for as long as we've been at this church, basically. And every part of it is wrapped up with not just words and not just strategy, not just vision, but with real life people, that real life, genuine people who want to encounter God, who are drawn to this person of Jesus, they find a welcome here. They find a safe landing spot, no matter their background or starting point. And like, so it's not just words on a plate, on a, on a, on a, excuse me, on a wall. It's like 
real people are finding Jesus here. And what we're talking about this morning is not just we want people to show up and be welcome, but we really want to say, man, this is what it means to know and love Jesus. There's a really clear pathway. That pathway is full of wild detours and forks in the road and chaos. But man, we are always moving toward Jesus, towards this encounter with him. And the more that we encounter Jesus, like we are just convinced, and this is what's so fun, that A, people are coming to know Christ, which is super fun. But then what's even more fun is watching people who have encountered Christ to have their lives completely changed and transformed and all of a sudden become partners with the movement that Jesus is doing in our church and in the whole wide world. That, so we're not just a church for spiritually hungry people. We're not just people to say, hey, we want you to love Jesus. But we those things all result in fruit where we, this grouping of people, just like all the other churches in Marin and throughout the whole world, are people who are Holy Spirit people and dwell the Holy Spirit and empowered by him to be his hands and feet to bring grace and mercy to a world that desperately needs, just like Tinley shared in our prayer this morning. That is our heart. And you, you know, what, I loved it that Steve's like, when Steve shared on the sofa this morning, that he's like, you know, this idea of moving toward Christ. And that's what we want to, you know, we're going to share a couple th- uh, things with you here and a couple biblical passages. I'm going to take you into an Old Testament passage and Ben's going to take you into a New Testament passage. But we're going to really kind of tell you about two things in our heart for you. One is that idea that we will wholeheartedly and bravely move toward Jesus together. That's the first thing. And then Ben's going to talk. I'm going to share a little bit about that. And then Ben's going to talk a little bit about then. And because of that, when we do that, then fruit comes out of our lives. And we find our unique callings so that that fruit can then make impact on the world around us. Right? Something like that? Pretty close. Uh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so listen, I want you to... Uh, um, just get your listening uh, cap on because I, we don't have time to preach on the whole topic or, I mean, the whole uh, passage. But there's this passage in 1 Samuel 14 that um, is about Jonathan and his armor bearer. And it's this really interesting passage when you read all of the history of it. It's, you know, it's in, this, it's in this story of the kings and the battles and the trying to figure out how to establish God's people. But here's this part of the story that I want to tell you. So Jonathan is King Saul's son. And they are, have at this point retreated from the enemies, the Philistines, in fear and are camped out basically, not making any progress in their journey to be God's people because of fear. And so what happens is, is that Jonathan doesn't tell his dad the king, doesn't tell the priest who's hanging out. It says that they're camped out under a pomegranate tree. They're just waiting and hanging out. And he's like, look at, if we're going to go for God, let's go for God. And he takes his young teenage armor bearer with him and goes, let's go up to the Philistine camp and see what's what. And it's really interesting that he goes and, and uh, uh, look, look at these two verses, uh, verse six and seven, the way that the the thing goes is he goes, so let's go over to that camp of the uncircumcised. Someone put that up there for me, Andrea, that text so we could see it. Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. I just love the Bible. Do you not love the Bible? <laughs> I love those it's guys. It's not the descriptor that I use usually in talking about <laughs> my neighbors, but it is a, you know. I have a meeting after lunch with some <laughs> uncircumcised men. <laughs> It's a euphemism for, you know, like we're God's people and these were not God's people, right? And so he goes, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. And then look at this line. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. And then his 14-year-old who's like, you mean you and me climb up the hill from the bottom to the whole detachment of the Philistines that are camped up on top fully armed? Like, you mean that's a good idea? Now he goes, actually, he goes, oh, well, if we're serving the Lord, 
Do all that you have in your mind. For here I am with you, heart and soul. This is such an interesting passage to me, and it reminds me of, of, of you guys in three ways. The first way it reminds me is Jonathan and his armor bearer left the establishment. Like they left the religious establishment. There's this weird paragraph that we're not looking at that if you were reading this in your Bible, read it tonight before you go to bed. There's this little, little part of it that just says, and Saul was there, King Saul was there, and then this other guy was there who was a priest, basically he was in the priestly lineage. And it's like, why did the author put that? Because the author's saying, Jonathan and his armor bearer were like, yeah, it doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. It doesn't matter what the government's doing. It doesn't matter what the, what the rest of the culture's doing. It doesn't matter what the religious establishment is doing. I'm gonna be God's person. And I'm gonna set off on this adventure and go bravely and wholeheartedly after God's plan. And that's our heart for you. That we would all own this relationship with God and that we would actually just move toward it like no matter what anybody else is doing in the midst even, not knowing the outcome, not knowing the end of the thing, but going forward into it with a brave sort of like, well, if this is real, and it got real, real fast for them in this story, But if this is real, then that's where I want to be, right in the middle of God's presence and God's will and God's adventure. That's our heart for you that we would do that. Yeah. And then then secondly, and they live their life by faith. That's something else. I didn't know if you were going to interrupt me, but feel free. Be like Tana up here. I'm on a roll right now. Uh, And secondly, this is our heart for you. If they live that life by faith, we just did a whole summer in the scripture series on living by faith. Faith is what we know about God and, how he, and who he is is going to lead us to step out on this journey of wholehearted, bravely running after him, even though we haven't seen him show up yet in a circumstance like this. So it's by faith, but we know enough about him to be like, well, I'm going to go out. I'm going to go for it. And when you, when you look at the, at the story, it's so, I mean, I mean, he's like, he's not like declaring what God's going to do. He's not all self-righteous and God's going to make sure he protects me. He's like, actually, yo, armor bearer, we don't know what's going to happen. But perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Perhaps. Do you hear the humble, the humility in that? Do you hear the kind of the, even the fear in that? But he's like, but if God is real and we want to be authentic, then we're going to need to step into the middle of God's will and God's presence and God's adventure. And perhaps the Lord will step out. If not, I don't know but it's what I got to do. And then last, they went and did it together. And you see on this verse, like the armor bearers, like, oh, that's your dream? Well, that's nutso. (laughs) But if that's what God's put in your heart, then you do everything he has asked you to do, and I will be with you, heart and soul. That gives me chills. That's our heart for you, church, that you would have people in your life where you go, I think God's asking me to to take this step, to move into this ministry, to to love this way, to get rid of this thing in my life, whatever it is, and that you would have men and women in your life who go, wow, okay, perhaps the Lord will act on your behalf, and you do everything that's in your heart to do. I'm going to be with you in it. I think it's so incredible that 3,000 years ago, there's these two guys who did this incredible thing, and the, all the stories of Scripture are just people who step out in faith, who just radically run after God and do it with people. And then what's so fun is, like, you think of our church, like, 
that's not just, oh, that happened that, back then, but today, right here, right here, Marin, there are people who are radically yeah. running after God, grabbing other people and doing it together. I just yeah. think it's so and, inspiring. And, and if we had time, and Ben and I were, you know, we were actually brainstorming some stories, you know, church stories, and it's kind of weird because we don't want to brag on you and we don't want to, you know, have you be uncomfortable or whatever, but there's so many stories of this happening within our body and we want to blow wind into your sails. We want to blow, you know, air into the fire to those embers. We want more of that, you know, a couple of weeks ago, 10 people being baptized. If you were at that gathering to hear 10 people's different yeah. stories from an 11 year old who had grew up in the church to somebody who heard the voice of, of God standing in front of her bookshelf and has you know, only been a Christian a year, like the, 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 the God's at, at work and every one of those people is like, I'm gonna go, I don't, not everybody around me is doing it, but I need to be in God's presence and God's will and God's adventure, like I'm gonna do it no matter what. And, I, they, and they're doing it together. I, there's a guy in a small group of mine that I asked him permission to share this, and his name's Kurt. And, you know, uh, in the midst of our small group, I remember the night he came and he said, you know, my wife's been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And then he said in tears, and he lifted his hand in worship actually in our group like this, he said, and I will not let it destroy my faith. And then we walked the journey and she passed this year. And he has leaned into worship and God's word and prayer and two small groups that he's a part of and says to each person to their face, I cannot do this without you. If he can lean into the presence and the plan and the adventure of God, even in the kind of the worst, not kind of the worst, but that's our heart for all of us to do the same. Guys like Kurt are my, are my hero. I mean, to, to love Jesus so much and to trust him and to walk a road that none of us want to walk in is the evidence of not just someone saying, I'm going to trust you, Jesus, I'm going to walk with you, but someone who's been radically transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we want to be. We want to be people who are radically transformed by the Holy Spirit. And the passage that I want to share with you uh, comes out of John chapter 14. And it's interesting, when I first became a Christian, this was my all-time favorite passage of scripture. And, uh, and then as I grew in my faith, it became the hardest scripture I ever had to read, and I hated it. Why and, was it your favorite passage? Well, I'm going to tell you in a second. All right, great. And then, <laughs> and then it's become actually my, just my gigantic heart for our church. It's, it's actually the verse when I think about and I pray for our church is the verse that comes up over and over and over again. And, and guys like Kirk are guys who actually helped me understand this verse because in my younger self, it made no sense. This is John chapter 14. This is the, at the end of Jesus' life, he's getting ready to be crucified. He has one last incredible message that he leaves to his disciples and he just lays it all out. And he says this, he's talking about um, his future ministry, which will not be with them. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I've been doing. They'll be doing the same things that I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name. That's my younger Christian was like, yes, please. And uh, then was like, whoop, that's not working out the way I thought it was. Mm -hmm. And now in mature, as I'm maturing, I think it's an incredible statement. It says this, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. And when I think of what God has for our church, I just love this passage of scripture because Jesus, right, he, did, he had this incredible earthly ministry. He did incredible things. Here we are 2,000 years later talking about this preacher in the middle of nowhere. 
He did incredible things. And then he says to his disciples before he leaves, listen, you're going to do the same things. You're going to do greater things. And in fact, you can ask for anything in my name and I'm going to do it. And I say, yes, Lord. I mean, that's us. We are in a post-resurrection world. Jesus is not with us, but he's given us the Holy Spirit. And he wants to use us, our church, broken, crumbled, redeemed, healing, Mm. moving towards redemptive people. He Mm. wants to use us as part of his plan. It's not how I would do it. It is not the plan I would do. I would be an authoritarian and I would make it all happen. And God says, no, I am going to have my people be my hands and feet and go do that. We're going to do the same works, greater works. And whatever we ask in Jesus' name, it's, it's us. And so I think it's just helpful to figure out, well, what was he talking about? Because when I first read that, I was like, gosh, I'm going to pray over people and they're going to rise from the dead. It's going to be awesome. And that right, doesn't work. Or I'm going to like, but I have people in my life who are dying of things and I want God to save them and that didn't work. Or I wanted certain things for my life or for my friends and those didn't work. So when he says, what was Jesus talking about? And you realize Jesus did do some incredible miracles, but at the end of the day, what he did was he did redemption mm. and he did restoration. Mm. Come on. Right? He, through his life and his death and his resurrection, bought us, redeemed us, right? Took us from broken, rebellious people and adopted us into his family, paid the price, redeemed us, and gave us a brand new identity, a brand new calling. That was Jesus' ministry. Everything he did, from the miracles, the people he interacted with, he tried to make it clear that he is redeeming these people, these new people who are going to be part of the seed of Abraham. And then he said, not only are you going to be my people, but you are going to be part of my ministry to restore, to make all things new. And that's what we are about, the kingdom of God. We are about all things being made new, and we live in a broken world. It is horrifying and heartbreaking watching the news, watching what's happening to our friends and people in our lives. It is horrifying. But the kingdom of God is coming, but it is not yet here. And so while we're doing the same works that Jesus is doing of of redemption and restoration, Jesus says we actually get to do greater works. Mm. And what that means is the way I interpret it and some commentators, so I'll make sure I was at least within orthodoxy, but it's recognizing that that Jesus is not, what he did was limited to his actual physical body. But when he died and he rose again and he gave his Holy Spirit to his people, the redemptive and restorative work of the gospel went out to the whole world. Mm to every people group, to every culture, to every corner of our whole world. Didn't matter who you were, what your history was, what your lineage was, you had an opportunity to be redeemed and to be restored and to be part of his plan. And I love that we think for as broken as the world is, Christians have been illuminating and bringing the grace of Jesus everywhere, the justice of Jesus everywhere. I had this list of just, these were a couple things. There's a list of like a hundred things. And I just picked a couple things that these were things that are so normative in our world. But I think that we need to understand that these, these were Christ followers who initiated these things, who made these things part of our world. The way we understand modern science and medicine, mm-hmm. the way we understand the, the fact that we have hospitals and we just don't let old and dying people just off to die, orphanages, universities, the abolition movement, mm-hmm not just the civil rights movement, which was a movement of the church, specifically the black church, but actually all of human rights are rooted in a Judeo-Christian worldview that we are made in the image of God. Disaster relief, the things that we just do when celebrities stand up and like ask for money, that was started with Christians in the Red Cross. Charity organizations, microfinance organizations, Alcoholics Anonymous, the list just goes on and on and on. Like those are things that Christians who are faithful, who are empowered by the Holy Spirit went and did that. And then the very last thing is, right, we do the same things, we do greater things, and we can do anything, we ask for anything in the name of Jesus. 
And when I was younger, it was about, you know, cars and college and money and jobs and certain things, right? And when I got older, it's for the health and well-being of those around me. But ultimately, it's about aligning ourselves with the will of God. When Jesus said, I'm going to teach you how to pray, right? He says, thy will be done, thy kingdom come, right? Those are our prayers. That Our, our prayers are Jesus-centric for his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. And when we align ourselves with Jesus, gosh, the sky's the limit, and he's going to partner with us all the way. And it's interesting, I mean, you, you mentioned those giant things, you know, from the abolition movement to hospitals to universities that were all part of a movement of Jesus's people through the centuries. Those all sound giant, but they also all began with, like, individual, like, like people saying, I'm going to run bravely and wholeheartedly after the presence of God, and then I'm going to do his calling. And so, like, that translates to our everyday stuff, not just like, oh, I'm supposed to go start a new Red Cross, right? That's I right. mean, what I think is wild, exactly. Except there's people like in our congregation who are basically starting a new Red Cross like, right. yeah. for our world, right? There's yeah. like Tammy Peterson and Michelle Huff who like start, all the great things that are happening in Hamilton is because God put something in their heart to run after, to be the involved hands and feet of Jesus. Hamilton and, School. Yeah, sorry, where, Hamilton School, where, right. And so from, from track coaches yeah. to yeah. mentors to they're the number Learning one centers. chess team in the world, right? We have people who are running after foster care ministry. Like, there's, like our church, people in our church are actually... Like, they're going to be on these lists one day, and it's really incredible. And I'm in awe to be near them. But what's interesting is I think it's easy to go, oh, those people are doing incredible things. There's, what about me? But the reality is, is every single one of us who are on this journey towards Christ, that the Holy Spirit wants to bear fruit in us and wants to call us into ministry. And this last year, I had this awesome opportunity to, to spend time with my friend Patrick Chamberlain. So, t- uh, boy, their whole family gets a shout out this morning. I like that. Um, but Patrick who loves God, who loves people, and he's, and, and he's a teacher uh, in Davidson. And as we're talking, uh, and I'm listening to him, it's like obvious that God has this ministry for him to do. He has so much of his heart to love men, to, to middle-aged men, to care for men, to get them outside of the, the rigorous monotony of just our life and our culture and to say, we, if we can take people out of this culture, out of this moment, put them in the wilderness, unplug them for a while and spend time actually c- talking with one another, talking with the Lord mm-hmm. and facilitating some space, I think men's lives are going to be changed. And it was so fun because it's not like the most radical thing on the planet, but yet dozens and dozens of men's lives in our church have been adjusted, have been moved towards Christ because Patrick said, okay, God, I'm going to follow you in this unique thing. So from foster care to men's backpacking to whatever the unique thing that God has put on your heart, that's what I, and I love this picture. This is Patrick um, and Steve. What a fun picture. But I think this is when we are doing what God has made us to do, we ooze joy. Mm. We ooze joy. And it's funny, you could see pictures of me in my younger years when I was doing youth ministry. <laughs> and like, I'm with these like high schoolers and it was like, the, looked like the worst thing ever. And I'm like, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> And then at the end of my youth ministry career, you could see like my dead eyes. You're like, whoa, what's happening, right? Right, because, because I think we, when we're doing what God has called us to do, there is joy. So this isn't hard work. This isn't like, oh, God made me do this thing. Like it's discovering what God has made you to do. And then our heart is that we would have the privilege of just walking with you, of fanning the flames, of celebrating that God is doing something in you and through you. And I love this picture because that's what I think the face looks like when you're saying, yes, Lord, to the thing that God made that's you to so do. so beautiful. Our heart is that you would run wholeheartedly and bravely toward this life in Christ, toward Jesus. And then out of that, discover your unique calling in this sphere, your sphere of influence 
to partner with him in this ministry of redemption and restoration so that that's the look on your face. Like that is our heart yeah. that you live that way. And so as we wrap up, I just, you know, my, my, my pastoral call to you at the end of this is, do you have a plan for that? Do, is there, are you, are you putting some steps uh, into action that will help you run wholeheartedly and bravely toward Jesus and a life in Christ and figuring out what God's asked you to do to be a part of a ministry of redemption and restoration. And we have all kinds of mechanics and we have all kinds of programs and you, you go to our website and you can be overwhelming, although we're streamlining and it's great, it looks clear. Have you seen our new website? It's way better. We're getting it together, but it's all mechanics tools because we want you to be able to run toward Christ and to find your place of engaging in that ministry of restoration and redemption. Yeah, and, and the second thing just to add that I think our, our pastoral heart is to recognize and just to be expectant that actually the Holy Spirit is going to move. That when you do those things, when you put yourself in the mm. posture to connect with Christ, to bravely run after him, to say, to go, yes, Jesus, I'm gonna be your woman, I'm gonna be your man, then we'd also, our heart is that you would then also be expecting that God's actually gonna show up. God's actually gonna bring healing and restoration for you. That God's gonna actually emerge a passion and a calling in you. And that you would give us the enormous pleasure of letting us walk with you as you discern that call, as you discern that calling in your life and be part of the hands and feet of God because we cannot be the full functioning church here at Marin Covenant, here in Marin County, here in the whole wide world if each of us isn't doing the weird and wild, very unique thing that God has called us to do. And that is just our overwhelming heart for you. I hope you know and sense, church, our love for you. We love you. I mean... Not only are Ben and I sending love notes to each other all week long, all the time. All the time. About what a joy it is to be in partnership and how much we appreciate one another and our gifts. It's really, it's really sweet. But in those texts is also, and how incredible are our people. And what a privilege it is to be in the church with the likes of and your names get mentioned. We love you and we just, we hope you know that whatever mechanics are happening and whatever call you're hearing, that you know we love you and we want you to experience the love of God and the grace of God in our midst. Amen. Gosh, that is the truth. Well, would you stand? Let, let, let me just offer a prayer over us and for us as we head off into all that God has for us this year. Heavenly Father and our gracious God, what a gift that you called us. These people in the middle of nowhere here, Marin, you saw us, you invite us into your family, you've redeemed us, and you've invited us to be part of your ministry of restoration. So I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd have your way in us and through us. You would mold us and you would shape us, that we people that would bravely run toward you and that we would be incredibly used by you and that every single thing we do would be for the glory of your son, Jesus, both now and forevermore. And all of God's kids said, amen and amen.